Luke, please, the third gospel, the third record of the good news, chapter 7, and we'll begin at verse 35. While you're finding that, let me remind you that a week from today, on August 8, in this room at 2 p.m., uh, we will host a, a community memorial service. Lots of people have uh, passed away during the time of the pandemic and were unable, the families and friends were unable to celebrate their lives and mourn their deaths uh, in, a, in a typical or traditional funeral or memorial service. There were lots of gravesides. Families and friends had to settle for that. And so we're going to give everybody an opportunity to celebrate lives and mourn losses of people who died during the pandemic, whether it was from COVID-19 or from some other cause. This is a community service, so everybody's invited. People outside our church will be participating. And even if you didn't lose someone, maybe you will come to mourn with those who mourn, to weep with those who weep. And let's remember uh, those we've lost as a, as a community during these, uh, these last tough last 18 months. This past um, Wednesday, I, we shot uh, the video for um, the message of TV Church over in Muscle Shoals at the Muscle Shoals Sound Studio, which is a cool and historic place. Dozens and dozens of the biggest names uh, in American music recorded there. Among them was uh, the Rolling Stones. And even though this song was not recorded there, one of their most popular songs was written by Keith Richards and Mick Jagger. By the way, Mick Jagger turned 78 on Monday and they're going on tour. Uh, this fall makes me feel like a young man when Mick Jagger is 78. But they recorded at Muscle Shoals. One of their big hits, of course, was um, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Now, the, the, the interpretation of those words, that recurring phrase, can't get no satisfaction is, well, the, the interpretation varies. Maybe, it, maybe it's a bit suggestive, but it has, if anything, it is a commentary on the advertising industry. There's a line, in fact, when, uh, in the song, which says, the man on the radio tells me how white my shirts can be. It's a, it's a commentary on advertising. Can't get no uh, satisfaction. Today we talk about satisfaction, and when I say satisfaction, I'm talking about contentment, psychological, emotional, spiritual contentment. I'm talking about serenity. I'm talking about satisfaction of the soul. So let's read from John, or excuse me, Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 31. Jesus went on to say, to what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine and you say he has a demon. The son of man, Jesus himself came eating and drinking and you say here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. Now let's get the picture. Children are playing in the marketplace. These are, these are the days before video games when children had to invent their entertainment. And so these kids with the idea said, let's play wedding. Grown-ups seem to have fun at weddings. And they said, we'll pretend somebody gets married and then we'll feast and we'll celebrate and, and we'll 
party like the, uh, like the big folks do. But the rest of the kids says, well, that's dumb. We don't want to do that. We don't feel like playing wedding. Okay. The kids with the ideas said, let's, let's play funerals. That seems to be a big deal for adults. We'll, we'll pretend somebody's died and we'll mourn and we'll wail and we'll cry like the grownups do. And the other kid said, well, that's dumb. We don't want to play that. that we, we, we don't feel like playing funeral. And so the kids with the ideas said, we played the flute for you. We, we said, let's, let's celebrate. And you didn't want to celebrate. We said, let's sing sad songs and mourn like the grownups do at funerals. And you didn't want to do that. You guys just cannot be satisfied. And then Jesus interpreted his words. He said, this is what this generation is like. This generation is like people who cannot be satisfied. John the Baptist, he said, for example, came all gruff and tough and eating weird stuff. And people thought he was crazy and called him a devil. I came more people oriented and I preached a, a positive message of grace. He preached repentance. I preached grace. And you still said that I was like a drunkard and a carouser. You just cannot be satisfied. This saying of Jesus has meaning for churches and it has meaning for the larger population. Let's start with the churches. First, churches have to guard against a consumer mindset. Churches have to guard against a consumeristic mindset. Neither John the Baptist nor Jesus satisfied the religious folks. John the Baptist didn't, but it didn't bother either one of them. John the Baptist didn't change his diet and he didn't change his wardrobe in order to appease the more highfalutin folks. And Jesus didn't change the people he associated with in order to appease the more self-righteous folks. That wasn't who they were. And if they'd had, a, had done focus groups or if they'd done some polls, they might have been more popular. But they didn't. That would have violated their, who they were. And so they were just who they were, even though they could have been more popular if they, had, if they had pandered, but they would not pander. There's a lesson there for the church. We live in a choice-demanding, consumer-oriented culture. I like listening for what people order at Starbucks. It's really interesting. I've never ordered anything than a black coffee, but other people order really fancy things. I was in one Starbucks and I asked a barista, what is the longest order you've ever had? He said, oh, that, he said, oh, that's easy. She comes in here every day. When I see her coming through the door, I started. I said, what is it? He told me it was so long. I said, would you write it down? And this is what he wrote. So this lady comes in every day to that particular Starbucks and orders a half-calf, triple venti, two-pump mocha, half-pump raspberry, non-fat, liquid whipped cream, extra hot mocha. That's a fancy cup of, uh, of coffee. But ours is a choice-driven, consumer-oriented culture. What does that say for us? We have to avoid that consumeristic mindset. Now hear me, we must be excellent in all that we do. We must even demand of each other excellence. And by excellence, I mean the best we can do. We must be excellent in all we do, but we cannot fall into the trap of trying to 
out-sing and out-preach and out-build and out-program other churches. Because then it becomes about us and not about Jesus. And I know that sounds preachy and trite, but it's true. If we fall into the trap of trying to out-sing and out-preach and out-build and out-program other churches, then it becomes all about us. So let's just be the best First Baptist we can be. Knowing that we can't scratch every itch and we can't satisfy every preference. Let's just be the best we can be. That's the first lesson for churches. Second lesson for churches. If you're looking for a church home, and some of you, whether you're watching by live stream and TV or in the room, if you're looking for a church home, please don't look for church home. Don't shop for a church home like you would shop for a country club or a cruise line. Don't look for the best place to be entertained or to have your needs met. Find a place where you can join alongside people who are serious about their community and their world. Of course, I hope it's First Baptist Huntsville, but shop for a church, not like you would a country club or a cruise line, but find a place where you can really dig in, where people are joining God in his mission to the world and you can find your place there. Third thing, third lesson for churches. Do we act like customers or family members? What about decisions that leaders make? Let's get real. The numbers are going up. The COVID trends are not good. So I've uh, asked uh, Kristen and Shelley, our kids and families ministers, to to mandate and implement the wearing of masks for all our kids 11 and under and their workers for next, beginning next Sunday because our kids can't get vaccinated and they are vulnerable. So I've asked that they institute masks in the children's area. Then Wednesday night, there's a group of people who advise me, really smart folks. We get together and they tell me, you know, here's what the trends say, here's what the epidemiologists say, here's what the experts say, and here's what we should do. So we're gonna talk about what we do going forward. So. If we do nothing, if we do a little bit, if we do a lot, if we shut her down for a few weeks, somebody will not be satisfied. You with me? Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. We're all on the same page. So if that does, if you, if you disagree, will you respond like a customer or like a member of a good family? We don't have a complaint department. This is, thank you, Billy. But if you do one, Billy at FBCHSV.org. This is not Macy's and it's not Amazon. It's a church family. So what about when other ministers alongside whom I work make decisions with which, with which you disagree or a good committee made up of faithful lay people make a decision with which you disagree? Will you respond like a customer in a consumer oriented kind of way or, or will you respond like a, good, like a good family? Now, if you're new, you're thinking, my goodness, this is a rough bunch of people or he wouldn't be talking like that. But that's not true. This is a healthy place. But there are people watching us who are parts of lots of churches. I mean, there are people at home and there are people in this room from other churches. So I'm talking to us and I'm talking to everybody. During COVID, 
A recent Barna poll said, Barna poll said 29% of pastors are thinking about quitting because of COVID. I'm not in that group. Let's be clear. Remember, my hobby is football officiating, so I can take a couple of emails. That's not a, that's not a problem. But churches are struggling over COVID because people are acting like customers instead of good family members. So there's a lesson in this saying of Jesus for churches. Let's not pander. Let's be the best we can be. If you're looking for church, look for churches for the right reason. And then finally, let's act like family, not, not customers. All right. Now, let's move on and let's talk about the larger population, which includes us, but is not limited to us. Jesus is saying about dissatisfaction seems so appropriate today. The pandemic amplified our discontent. A pastor friend of mine in Tennessee said, Travis, you wouldn't believe how many people in my church have said this pandemic has made us remember or realize that life is short. They said, he said, a lot of folks in our church have said, we've got houses in Florida. We're selling our house here. See you later. We're moving to Florida. A Pew Research Center poll found that as of June, 22% of Americans either had moved because of the pandemic or knew somebody who did. Some people are moving to their retirement homes in Florida. Some are realizing since they can work from home, then they should be living near someone that's important to them. So they're moving there. About a quarter, one quarter of American adults said they're considering a career change due to the pandemic. Of course, many have lost their jobs, but others are just quitting. On June 27, the Dallas Morning News read, so long boss, as pandemic eases, workers quit their jobs in record numbers. Some couples are deciding one of them will stay at home with their kids. Some are giving up good salaries for lower paying jobs because they want more meaning in their vocation. People are assessing, reassessing their relationships. Jewelers, get this, jewelers have reported double digit increases in engagement ring sales. People deciding to get engaged. But on the flip side, the data shows that divorces are going to be uh, on the way up too. Some people are deciding to get married and some people deciding they don't want to be married. So people are changing relationships one way or the other, looking for satisfaction. But those job changes, relationship changes, those home changes, they're not new. That search for contentment is not new in the year 2000. The cover story of Newsweek was titled, A Boomer's Guide to Health, Wealth, and Happiness. And boomers are people born 46 to 64. There was a line in that article, listen to it. Boomers switch jobs, even careers, not to mention spouses in a never-ending search for fulfillment. You see, changing jobs and relationships and places we live is not new. And it didn't work then. And it won't work now. The Bible actually speaks a great deal to the matter of contentment. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. First Timothy six, godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and, can, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. 
Matthew 5, 5 in the message translation. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that cannot be bought. Think about that. You're proud owners of things that cannot be bought. When we learn to just be content. There are answers to this matter of contentment. Number one, contentment is a choice. It's an attitude. Contentment is a choice. Miss Kristen read a moment ago Paul's words, I have learned to be content in any situation. And that's really good news. Contentment can be learned. Contentment is a choice. It's not an emotion that we just wait to, run, to roll around. It is a choice. It is a choice to be grateful for all that we have. It is a choice to be generous with what we have. It is a choice to remember that it's not all about us. It's not just about you. It's not just about me. The world does not exist for us. Contentment is a choice to remember to be grateful, to be generous, and to remember it's not about us. Contentment is a, is a choice. Contentment is a relationship. In Psalm 42, are the words of David that we, you heard sung just a moment ago. As the deer pants, pants for streams of water, so my soul pants, pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, God, for the living God. We are tempted and intrigued by temporary things, but our soul pants, longs relationship with our Creator. There's a God-shaped hole inside every one of us that nothing else can fill. It's like, it's like the perfect piece to a complicated puzzle. No other piece will fill that place. The Lord is my shepherd, David wrote, I shall not want. The only way not to want is to be in relationship with our Creator. I know there are people who are not in relationship with Him whose lives seem pretty serene, but there is a depth of serenity. There is a height of contentment that is possible only when the Lord is our shepherd. Contentment is a choice. Uh, contentment is a relationship. And contentment is a place. Ecclesiastes 3.11, 3, God has set eternity in the hearts of humans. When He created you, He placed in your core a longing for forever. There is a chamber of your heart where the message echoes, you were made for another world. Pop group, Los Lonely Boys, that's why they ask in their song, How Far Is Heaven? There's a line that says, I know there is a place better than this place I'm living. You were made for another world. You'll never find ultimate contentment. We can find serenity and contentment and satisfaction, but ultimate serenity is impossible in this fallen and imperfect world. Ultimate contentment is only if and when you make it to heaven, which brings us to the fourth thing, Contentment is a choice, it is a relationship, it is a place, and it is a Savior. Ed Humphrey 
is on my short list of real live heroes. We met him in Nigeria. I was teaching at the seminary in Shaw when Ed came back. He had been there decades earlier. His wife had developed an illness, developed so quickly. They had to leave immediately. They didn't even have time to pack up. And he loved Nigeria. He went and taught at Golden Gate Seminary in, in California. When his wife passed away and he had retired, he came back to Nigeria for one semester to say goodbye. And that's where I got to know him. He took me under his wing. He became my mentor, my friend, maybe the most articulate person I ever have known. But his articulateness was matched by his humility and his deep devotion to Jesus. We became close friends. We actually went and found the place where they had lived. Weeds had grown up around it. It was a great, oh, it was, I loved Ed Humphrey. When we were back in the States, I heard from another missionary that, that Ed was dying. I called him and I had an unusual conversation with him. He, he was more content than I can imagine I will be when I'm dying. But he said something so profound, I wrote it down. This is what he said. I've never had a greater peace in my life. I know that sounds arrogant, but I don't mean for it to. And then he said, I'm not satisfied with my life, but I am satisfied with my Lord. When all is said and done, and the last chapter of your life is coming to a, a, to a conclusion, and you look back, will you be satisfied with your life? Maybe, maybe not. But if you have trusted your life for here and forever to Jesus, it really won't matter whether you're satisfied with your life or not. What will matter is, are you satisfied with where you have placed your trust? And if you have placed your trust in Jesus, you can face forever content. And so I'm going to invite you to give all that you have and all that you are to Jesus to love Him, to trust Him, to follow Him. And I'm going to invite you to be part of this church family, to, to, to plant your flag among us, to love and trust and follow Jesus with people who've also chosen to do that. We're going to invite you to come forward. Our hymn is 472.